I've got the boys together. Jonas. So do what? Spank the bastards. Warning. Hang with the boys contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended or you're a superhero, do not continue to listen. Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of Hang With The Boys. Now, if you've never tuned into this show, we are the guys from Supernatural The Crossroads, traditionally, but we're mixing things up with Eric Kripke's other show, the recent and hit series on Amazon Prime, The Boys. We kind of consider this a spinoff podcast ourselves because Eric Kripke was the showrunner for that, somebody that we uh, were big fans of him and his work. And so we naturally followed him over to this show as it came out. Yeah, we're fangirls. We're fangirls. Yes. We're, we're groupies. Yeah, we follow Kripke wherever, wherever he, he goes. goes. We wear tie-dye shirts. Yeah, we have I Love You Kripke shirts, actually, yep. mm-hmm. printed over those tie-dye shirts. Yeah. And they change color <laughs> when we all get all hot and sweaty. Oh, so you know, it's, a mood, it's a mood It's a mood shirt. Yeah, so it changes color. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I wow. think he's scared of us. He, should he probably be. hates he us. Should yeah. Be. yeah, he's probably like those guys are weird. He does not make eye contact no. at Comic Cons. No, because yeah. he's a fear. He's in. He's like scared. It might be us. Yeah, yeah. And we don't really look like the type typically that. No, that I wouldn't. Acts I wouldn't like murder him and, and skin him alive and wear his skin. Is <laughs> wow. What is that word? Drastic step. What there? You guys wouldn't do that. But uh, we we follow the boys not only because Eric Kripke, but a lot of the production he's staff. He's bald because we scalped him. Took okay. His hair. I mean, just Jesus we're just we might as well just admit Christ. it. Yeah, we might as well just. Yep. We're sorry. Sorry. Uh, but we followed the show not only for him, but a lot of the other key members of the production staff from Supernatural's heyday have gone over to work on that show as well. And the source material was something that was interesting, but we really were excited for what it could be. And when the first season just came and knocked out of the park with a home run, we were hooked. And so here we are discussing season three. But if you want to go back and listen to all those previous discussions, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Hang With The Boys. iTunes and Spotify are our preferred platforms, but you do you. So the next couple of rounds of episodes are going to be a little bit different than what we normally do because Amazon has now done this, this kind of their thing now, where they will release the first three episodes of a show all at once. And then do the rest of them on a weekly basis. And rather than play catch up or try and cram a whole bunch of stuff together and and make it unnecessarily long, we've decided to do this here as one big continuous discussion of the first three episodes just kind of broken down into parts. So it's going to be a more natural conversation of the entire three episodes, what we've seen, what we think, where things are going. We're still going to break things down for the most part chronologically, but we will probably tie in plot points or narrative details from the different episodes that are all available now when it feels relevant. So if you've only watched one episode, you may want to start partway through. If you've watched all three, that's probably for the best at this point. But with that, we're going to be breaking down and discussing the three first episodes, Payback, The Only Man in the Sky, and Barbary Coast. Now, there's a lot There's a lot that happens in this, and there's a lot to unpack. So let's start with our initial thoughts here of season three and its premiere episodes. It was a long time between this and season two. It was. Like exceptionally long. It was like fucking five years. And we've all lost a sense of what time is and, and what the sun looks like because we've all been inside and quarantined for so long at this point. <laughs> a lot of us uh, are vitamin D deficient now. Not uh, you. No, I've always been. You like 
I've always been. I take supplements. <laughs> he's, a, he's all about the vitamin D. All about that vitamin D. I used to be black. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, all right. So that's how we're starting things. But, you know, a couple questions for you guys, for the room, as it will. <laughs> Was it so far worth the wait? Has it met your expectations so far? Quality of the story, attention to detail, characters. Does it feel uh, seamless? Because I, I have a couple thoughts on this. Why don't you start us off? Yeah, why don't you, yeah. If you're ready to go, go. For me, it Shrink feels a down little... down size and get in that pee hole. Just get right, oh, just get right, just get right, in, right in there and expand. I feel like... Feel those edges of oh, the urethra. God. Don't sneeze. Oh, God. Just, just stop. I will say, I feel... It feels like a little bit of a disconnect. I would almost say it feels like a new showrunner vibe. Like, you know, when you've watched a show that's been uh, supernatural fans can understand this <laughs> when there's a cha a change between showrunners seasons five to six or 11 to 12, there's, there's a bit of a, not a tonal shift, but almost just like a vibe. Something feels yeah. a little bit different, a restructuring, like, a restructuring yeah. perhaps. And I feel like some of that is applying here, even though it hasn't had a showrunner change. I'm not sure if I attribute that to differences in adaptation versus the comic book or different direction that they're trying to take things or the pandemic and the time period. But I do feel like something is just a little bit different and I'm not exactly sure if it's better. I, I, I kind of agree. And it's, it's, I feel like there is a lot of them hitting today's, you know, headlines. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is like, there's, you know, a few things about, um, you know, gun control. There's a few things about minorities, woke the, the culture, woke culture. And I feel like there's a lot of that in the first three episodes. And I don't know if maybe that's what they're going with this season or maybe that's what he, what Kripke and them are planning on making fun of or what it is, but it's very, it's almost, I don't want to say it's off-putting, but it's very in your face. And I feel mm -hmm. like, I feel like the, the first two seasons weren't like that. They, they would throw it in there every now and then, but this just seems like every episode, there's just something bam right in your face with that. The, the thing, listen, the, the politics is great. I, I fucking love shows that use smart writing to dissect social issues. Right. I don't even need to agree with it. Just be smart with your thoughts and I will digest it and love it. The first two seasons were very streamlined in their ideological messaging. Right. It was very clear. Yes. They're throwing in too many headlines. You know, yeah, here's what I would into say. Into three episodes. Much like A-Train, it's a little flabby. Oh. Oh. There man. is too much. Fat shaming. There's too much. What are you, fucking Homelander? Come on. Yeah, a little bit. Don't fat shame. There's too much, and it doesn't really have... It's not a tight narrative. It's just kind of like... girdle, you fat fuck. It's just kind of like a little bit of too much of everything, and it doesn't really have... I felt attacked when he said that. You were like, oh, man, my spank. <laughs> I... Again, I, I agree with you, Mike. I do, I do like... Well, I agreed with you, so that means... We're agreeing. You agree with yourself. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 now I turn do. into Homelander and bang yourself. Um, I just, I feel like there's this, this, it's almost like shock value for shock value, which is typically yeah. not something that the, the boys do. They do shock value. Sure. Well, okay. But I it's not just there for, for, for no reason. They previously yeah. haven't done it 
for no reason. Okay, so this has been a debate leading up to the premiere of season three. There have been a lot of people within the Supernatural fandom, because I follow that, of course, because of our original show, Supernatural The Crossroads. And there's a lot of people debating whether or not they're going to watch this show because they heard it's, you know, really gory, really graphic, graphic, and they don't know if they want to watch something like that. Right. And I was a part of a conversation where we were justifying the violence in the boys as being meaningful. Like the shock value isn't just there to shock. It's there to help. And in seasons one and two, I'd agree with that. Yes. It's there to help with specific um, points that need to be made. In a lot of ways, they work as plot devices to help clarify certain things and help to move the story forward right it sells a tone that needs to be there the first the first season when when they blow up and it, it uh the invisible i forget that yeah and, it, and it's all over huey mm-hmm. that that wasn't just there for shock value. there was there was actual repercussions to that well, well do you remember in season two when stormfront is chasing them through the building and she kills Kimiko's brother yeah. and it, and she, the, and, and the regular people just living their life get murdered by her reckless violence. And she turns it into these terrorists, these soups, these bad people on social media. And that has a cultural message that's relevant to today. Whereas in this episode, there's at like fucking Disneyland, someone just gets murdered. It's not on the news. We're just on to the next episode. Nobody really cares. And that's that it's just there to be like, oh, God, look at the guts. It didn't really feel there's a little bit of what it's got to do with Kimiko, but it didn't feel nearly as as important to the story. You and I were talking about this before we started recording today. I had said that. And I, you know, I had wrote this in our show notes that cultural texts like film and television they have used exploitive devices for commentary uh, in the way of social commentary for decades. This is not new, but it's usually, you know, to serve some purpose within the subtext or to bring the subtext out. But this episode simply feels exploitive to the point yeah. of being silly and juvenile. Yeah. I would think, I, I think juvenile is, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in some respects, but I think juvenile is a very key a very apt term. Think of, I mean, real quick, the final bit of episode three, spoilers for those who have not yet gotten there. Well, it's not really. Butcher pukes in Huey's mouth, basically. Was that really necessary? And it's just for him to scream what the fuck and then hard cut because it's, haha, it's funny. We'll get into all this because it sounds like we're being overly negative, but there are, there are definitely some I think issues. There's concerns yeah, of some what concern. could be happening. Well, because we're three episodes into an eight episode season. Almost half, dude. And I don't know what the story is. Yeah. That I mean, is concerning. Yeah. I mean, yes and, yes and no. I feel like we're elaborating on the the soldier boy story, the hunt for soldier the, the, boy, the, the hunt for soldier boy and the weapon. The, the other part is, uh, Huey's boss being the head popper soup. Mm-hmm. So there's two things there that I, I think will move on into bigger things. I think the biggest overall arching story, I think at least in my opinion, and what I gathered from the first three episodes is butchering them trying to find the gun that killed soldier boy. Cause they think it can kill Homelander. But I think, what I what I think personally is going to happen is I think Butcher's going to enjoy taking the temp V, and things are going to evolve from there. Well, even that I I have 
writing choices that I feel like could have been stronger. And I talked about the, one of these with Mike. I was going to save another one for here, but like it's just a few things where it doesn't really, it, it feels just like I said, flabby. Like we're, yeah. we're just kind of taking our time and not really worried about when we get to the plot relevant stuff and we'll get there eventually. And I feel like that if it was a 15 episode season, 13, yeah. 20, sure, maybe we could do that. Yeah. But I look at how tight some of Supernatural's and even the boys super, uh, season one episodes were. And I compare them to these three. And I'm like, we could have gotten a lot farther with a lot of stuff by now. And we're just kind of moseying along. And it's not that any of what we've had is necessarily bad. But it's just like, it's not exactly a good sign. I think it goes right back to what you said at the very beginning. It feels like a restructuring. Yeah. And when you were restructuring, you tend to take... You regress and kind of retread Mm -hmm. a lot of things as if nobody had seen the show before. Yeah. Almost like you're going into it like, okay, guys, here's the show. And if you, for those of you who have just watched season three, here's what this is all about. And that's why we keep reiterating so much stuff. Right. And to be fair, I mean, it is almost like a new chapter. If you look at what they did with the first two seasons, a a lot of those story arcs came to an end. Yeah. So, well, even that, I mean, did they, or they just kind of wrapped up and now it's maybe come to an end is not the right choice of words, but there was a bit of resolve. Yeah to a lot of those story arcs that had started in season one. So maybe in essence, that's what Kripke is doing with his writers. They are it could taking be. their time to reset the board and make sure that this new chapter is, is fully fleshed out before they hit into overdrive. Well then, you know, maybe we look at it that way. I mean, it, it, when you look at it that way, it changes, you know, it changes the way I look at the whole season, I guess. But, um, I just, I, I but then I asked the question, are you writing serialized television for 2008 or are you writing uh, television uh, for a modern day streaming yeah. platform? Because there's no real excuse now for that when you when when season one is a click away. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, when, you had a, when you depend on them catching reruns to know your narrative. What's a rerun? Yeah. Well, yeah, Back well, in time, children. No. I don't know what that is. You yeah. used to have to be in the future to know what a rerun was. Now right. you have to be in the past to know what a rerun uh, is. <laughs> man, you guys are confusing. So let, let's get into some of the other stuff. Cause I know it sounds like we're being like perhaps overly negative, but I think you'll, at the end of this discussion, you'll kind of see where we're, what we're bringing up and where we're coming from. So as we've discussed numerous times, the strength of this show in many respects is its social commentary and the various highly creative ways they expose the downright maddening hypocrisy of politicians, corporations, celebrities, unchecked capitalism, the manipulative tactics that all of these different groups employ to control and influence. I mean, literally people are called influencers nowadays. No one has any issue with that term. (laughs) That is true. Is that not Orwellian as fuck? They might as well change it to manipulator because that's what they're doing. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, And so a lot of these things are relevant to everyday people like ourselves, and therefore it's very relatable. And I think that's one of the main things, especially in the pilot episode of The Boys on season one, that really hit fucking home. I feel validated as a human being during those first two seasons. Yeah. Because they're exposing all the things that— feel how Huey and Butcher feel, just fucking angry and powerless. Yep. And in this, I feel more like, I don't know, almost indifferent— 
So, but so it's always had a really strong punch in that respect. And that's what made the series, at least I think to us, stand out. And still, for the most part, because the strength of this season still so far does rely on on its social commentary as yeah. long yeah. as it, it finds its focus eventually. I, and I think that might be the key word is focus. focus. That's all. Yeah. yeah. And the the series did a good job with its ability to take that cultural commentary and use graphic violence and frankly depravity and a lot of other terrible things and craft that narrative it it, it told a story that wasn't necessarily in your face obvious it it wasn't um grandstanding or on the podium yeah no soapboxing soapboxing yeah but it made it very, very relevant and relatable. And what makes that kind of commentary is so unique is that despite living in a time when so many subpar shows are attempting to say something relevant, they pull no punches with this. The writers don't care what side of the fence a topic might be on left or right, and especially with politics. They aim to expose, well, the corruption, the manipulation, the outright insanity that many of us, I, I think, feel like find ourselves in I, on I a day-to-day that's basis. that's why this show works for a lot of people. And yeah. now, of course, the year 2022, we're all very, a little bit more divisive. But yeah. when this show was first conceived, I mean, the reason why it spoke, I'm sure, to Kripke and his team was because it, it's a perfect platform to just... Talk about the absurdities of of everything. Let's poke fun at the absurdities of pop culture and place a lens over the worship that it has on American culture. Yes, and celebrity worship. So politics left and right really forget that you pretend you don't remember Kripke's politics and Carl, Carl Urban's politics. Because for the most part, they do a pretty damn good job balancing the views of the, the left show, and yeah. the right because yeah, it's not it's, about clinging to one side no, it's about, it's about ex- making fun of both of them yes and but I, I think that's that's the big thing and that's why like a lot of people enjoy the show is because sure i don't want to watch too many shows and have politics thrust in my face yeah because that's i'm watching a show to, to get to away escape. from that right because we live in it day but in day out already when a show it has no bias towards either and it's just absolutely calling them out for the baloney that they do on both sides. And douse it with comedy. And douse it with comedy yeah. makes it makes it great. And it I makes think it that's, fun. And I think that's what so many people gravitated towards was because it's not making fun of left, making fun of right. It's it really took a stance of the middle person trapped in this The rational mind. The rational yeah. mind trapped and surrounded by insanity. Everyone. Yes. Yep. Us. 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 Regular regular, <laughs> yeah. regular people. Like, yeah, the normal people. Yeah. The I'm not talking any sort of gender group, any of these subgroups. I'm talking people who are rational, calm thinkers on either side are constantly bombarded by people who are way too far. Yeah. On each side. Way and so far. this show really kind of made it feel like, okay, at least I'm not fucking insane. I feel like there are other people who understand how I feel. Mm-hmm. And it did a really good job with that. Yeah. So while some of it has made us feel less like we're the insane party by throwing us into an insane world, which is kind of weird to think about, season three does continue that a little bit more and it's starting with an element that's been kind of on the back burner for the last two seasons that has really kind of at least so far been pushed more into the mainstream or the limelight because he's had a lot more screen time and that is the true agenda of 
Vought CEO Stan Edgar. Yeah, that to me has been probably the best part of the opening oh, three. He's amazing. Yeah. He's such a good actor. Uh, Esposito, es- I believe. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, he's such a good actor. Oh, good and too. he has just kind of been in and out of the first two seasons. Yeah. And you kind of got the idea that he is pulling the strings. And that's something that this season so far in the opening three episodes has done very well. It's managed the, to show us that he truly is the grand puppeteer. It, it, it's interesting too. Like the, the thing that I... I find it interesting when he shows up on screen or he's opposite Homelander is that everyone is afraid of Homelander mm-hmm. and he just doesn't give a shit. Like legitimately doesn't care, literally talks down to him. Like, and it goes to show you, it goes to show you that, you know, Bot and him in general are, are in power. And it's, it's like, it's just a weird sense of like, you watch everyone interact with Homelander scared out of their minds. And there's this dude who's just a dude. And well, it goes it's so it, weird. It kind of takes you back to what, if you remember when house of cards is good <laughs> and Kevin Spacey's character, who's yeah. the president, he said the real power is not yep. being the president. The real power is being a civilian out there running a company. Yeah. Look at here with Edgar. Yeah. He well, and that's is 100%. literally calling the shots. And that's 100% what his agenda is. I mean, he's he's trying to get, he said as much that it's clear he does not care about the superhero game. He sees it as a waste of time, a waste of money, as he says in the first episode, tired of like cleaning up dead bodies of hookers and all this, yeah. <laughs> all this stuff, because that's not what's important to him. For him, it's about keeping people distracted while he works on his main goal, which is being a pharmaceutical powerhouse and infiltrating the U.S. government. That's the only thing he's continuously pushed, mm-hmm. continuously been interested, and continuously wanted out of bought as a company. He wants to use Compound V to create a better soldier, and he wants the government to need that product. And with the flashback to Nicaragua, we've seen they've been working on this for what is that? Thirty years now. Yeah. Forty yeah. years now. Yeah, just about. That that's what they're after. Homelander, which I still wonder because Homelander could just still fly through the glass and kill him in an instant. So what kind of card up his sleeve does he have to have such a lack of fear, nonchalant attitude? Yeah, like what? What like is a kill switch? Yeah, or something? what does he have in his back pocket that would make Homelander now, not want to kill? If him? you've read the comics, you never create a threat when you're you, someone like yeah. Edgar. You don't create a potential threat without having something to combat that threat. So I guarantee you he has something. And, and I wonder where they're going to go with that. Because in the comic book, I won't get into too much spoilers, but I had spoiled for me. They have something like that. Oh, okay. But in the show, they've revealed that's no longer, it's, it's not a same oh. thing in the show. Okay. So my question is, what are they going to have as their secret weapon in the show, something that can completely something reverse that can, the, that can undo Homelander. Essentially, yeah. they have that in the comic book, but they're not doing that. They're not taking that route in the show. So I'm interested in that. But it's it's you're right though. This is very much like Kevin Spacey's character of like the real power is is not being president, but a regular person because he has that strategy to sell the 24 hour V. Because of course, like he said, they need it every day. And that itself can be a metaphor for a dozen of different things. All that pharmaceutical companies are invested in and want. The the HIV cocktail is a good example of that. 
the uh, the the chemotherapy EpiPen that that one guy jacked the prices through the roof yep. on and got in legal trouble for once. Yeah, know? they don't want a cure. They treatment. just they just want a treatment because that means you will always go back to them. Yep. They are the biggest swinging dick drug dealers. Oh yeah. yeah. Out there. Oh yeah. First hits free. You always have to come back. You don't get cured. You just stay on the fucking teat. That's why all these pharmaceutical companies nowadays are under very close scrutiny because As the, they should be. the jig is up. A lot of these things have been revealed with the the rise of the the opium crisis. Yeah. It has been just completely left they have been left to their own devices and they have destroyed American culture, American society, I should say, with the overflow and the infusion of pharmaceutical drugs that are just thrown at people. Yeah. And it's all designed to make money. That's why these and pharmaceutical control. companies are so dangerous. And that's why at the end of season two, and you start to realize that this is all about the pharmaceutical aspects, suddenly the real threat of Vought becomes clear. It's not about the depravity of the superheroes. In a way, that's just simply distraction. That's Blitz why Edgar wants to get rid yeah. of it. But it's all about it's all about the drug itself and and getting involved, infiltrating the United States government, which also pharmaceutical companies have done that. Yep. So this is where the boys shines. And as long yeah. as they do these types of things, this is what makes the gore worth watching. This is what makes the depraved eating of, of your friend octopus worth Ugh. watching. This is what makes the whale being blown up worth watching. This is what makes the dolphin flying oh, out the fucking window the worth references. watching. The, the things that bother me the most in this show are the things that is connected to him. Yeah, it, he's got the most like kind of cringeworthy things that happen to him. I mean, like, yeah, there's just, I laughed. I, I laughed at the octopus scene. I, I thought it was like you're a monster. I, I, but that's the thing. I, I it is funny. <laughs> it, it, it's it, funny. It's not, it's not that it's not funny. Well, and the, here's the reason I laughed is because people eat live octopus. I just don't understand in that South too. Korea. Like oh. they, it's, it's a, it's a delicacy. I don't they, know how they, you could do that. They like, also, it's, it's they still, all, let me put this into your wheelhouse. They also eat cats. Well, I, I'm aware. I, I, so I how know. do you feel about that? You love cats. I don't live in South Korea. I know, but would you like to, if someone were to serve you a cat? No, absolutely not. You would probably vomit and throw up. I probably would be very, I'd be very yeah. disgusted, but yeah. I just, it, it was, I think. What's it, the name of your cat? No, don't, don't no. go there. One-Eyed Willie? One don't Willy? don't, don't is go it? there, no. Wasn't it like, Stop. what did Bobby call him? <laughs> no. Cross-Eyed Joe or something? Well, no. One-Eyed Jack? What? <laughs> He doesn't have, he has two eyes. I don't he know, just I'm can't just hear. How does my deaf cat become a cat? Oh, no, deaf. Okay. How's my deaf cat come with, become a cat with one eye? Like, I, I don't, don't understand. He I was shooting in the hear. dark. I didn't know. I, I just. So what if I, Homelander put your, your deaf oh cat God. in front of you and said, hmm, go ahead and enjoy him. Eat, eat it. Oh. No. Oh, God, dude, I couldn't do that. But but again, it's not my cat. It's, a, it's an octopus. So. <laughs> so not my problem. Yeah. Fuck Anyways, my, my point is, is yeah. that the, the, the social commentary is so on point that it, it makes some of the, the things that does get, that do bother me at times. It makes it all worthwhile for the most part. Yeah, it, it does do a good job of that. And I hope it continues that. And another thing that was another big theme that we've seen so far has been the abuse of institutional powers and the manipulative, highly manipulative marketing tactics and 
control tactics they use to keep things the same. And this, this has been a very relevant one because we see this literally every single day of our lives in the real world actively happening right now, even with all those institutions that allegedly care to be part of some progressive politics, whether it's black history month or pride month, as we're seeing right now, where everyone changes their logo for exactly one month and then stops giving a flying fuck after that. Well, yeah. Yeah, they don't care about the cause. They don't care about the people. They, they don't care, care about, about any of it. The money. They care about the profits. They care about how they can draw off of that like a fucking parasite without actually having to change anything. With they they don't actually conform or do anything different. And that in itself is a sense of control. It's earning goodwill. It's a PR move. We see that all the time with the the marketing groups within this show and they try to make everybody think that they're on their side so they become malleable to the extent that they can then assimilate a political movement like like yes we're part of it too but only because they're trying to make it work for themselves and we see that with like was it Maeve's vegan something lasagna brave brave maves oh god vegan dude, lasagna. That section. brave maves inclusive, <laughs> world? inclusive world dude i was uh, like was you fucking, fucking amazingly funny me because talk about just hitting it right on the head oh 100 percent. just I, I did appreciate that yeah because i'm like this is exactly what companies do and i we're like a couple of steps away from that happening we're not a couple steps away i mean they haven't finished construction we, yet we are there i mean <laughs> like that's that's the only parts that's missing it's disneyland's newest part <laughs> that's yet to be revealed jesus christ yeah just rainbow flags everywhere dude. goofy's always been a, a bachelor for a reason oh boy <laughs> 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 The disturbing thing about this is a lot of people truly believe, and this is where yeah. the manipulation comes in. A lot of people truly believe that these companies care. No. And all it is is a, is a, an effort to maintain their power. That's it. The mightiest of kingdoms have fallen. If you read a history book, yep. when the peasants and the common folk rise up and they know this, and this is a very common practice when, you know, certain powers feel Threaten right. the people in control. And this is how, for example, the Catholic Church formed. That's the biggest piece of evidence in history. Constantine the Great, the Roman Emperor, did this when Christianity threatened the power structure. What did he do? He assimilated yeah. into Christian culture yeah, in right. order to maintain control. These are not new tactics. Well, that's, that's why the pagan aspects got brought into Christmas and all those other things, too. Think about this. These are war tactics. Yeah. These are... How to conquer the masses tactics. And this is what these divide are, and conquer. These are what these institutional powers have adopted. Don't, these types of tactics. Don't realize you're all getting fucked over and joined together to overthrow us. Let's make you hate all these other groups for completely arbitrary and benign reasons. Because then you'll be too busy fighting each other to realize we're dicking you in the ass. Yeah. And not in the way anyone likes. <laughs> People like that. Oh, yeah. They can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially when you shrink down. That's up a urethra. Small. But not too small. Ugh. What size? 15, no, 20 no. inches. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, you know, it's th that's why that comment of nothing changes. That they, hurt. They just wheel and deal and everything stays the same. Like that. 
that was one of those moments where I felt like the old season one and two, where I just feel like a regular person chained to this rock that I have like, like this rocket ship that I have no control over mm -hmm. and you're just stuck accepting whatever direction it goes. What size is the rocket ship? Uh, 15, 15 to 20, 20 inches. inches. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, with the same, that's a good size at the same, <laughs> at the same breath. Can it go on light speed? It can go both ends. Ludicrous speed. It's double oh, ludicrous speed. Yeah. That's double good. ender. But at the same breath that they have brave Maves inclusive. I oh, God, I fucking hate that title so much. <laughs> what, what about woke walk? Woke walk. The, the the woke walk. I laugh. That's right. the one that made me fucking laugh. Dude, I, I will admit. My ass I was off. like, Jesus woke Christ. But, but this is also where the balancing comes the into play. Same, yeah. Because yes, you you have them putting the lens up to those types of things. But then you also have the the, the idea that nothing changes. That is just they wheel and deal. This could also apply to the current gun violence in this country. And it doesn't matter which side of the fence you are on when it comes to um, gun violence. We all know that something has to be done. Yeah. It doesn't always mean removing guns from the population. But obviously, we can't just sit here on our hands and allow people to continue to shoot children. Something's got to be done. Yeah. But what happens is the politicians, they bicker, they wheel and deal, and nothing and changes. Nothing happens yeah it's sad yeah in fact that's something that kripke i know is using for source of inspiration is his view on the nra and the gun culture in this country yeah he had an article with yahoo entertainment and he said quote i think the nra is fucking insane and i think our gun culture in this country is insane it was insane when we wrote these episodes a year and a half ago and it's insane today and it keeps happening I just wanted to point out the absolutely terrifying insanity of it. It's fucking tragic that it's current, but it also happens again and again and again. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah. you know, regardless of whether or not you want guns or not and what side of the issue you're on, I think everyone can agree that, that the there's, fact that it's got to be a solution happening. Is, and someone's got to come up with a solution. But what happens is nothing. Nothing happens. Bitching, moaning, let's change things, let's do nothing, and it all stays the same. No, because what's going to happen is the next thing that is going to get everybody riled up is going to happen in the next month or two, and people are going to get about gun control. Or people are going to get all excited about the new season of Stranger Things and completely forget that, you know, 20 kids <laughs> just got murdered. Yeah. Because this goes right back to what's happening in the boys. Distraction. Oh, don't worry about what's actually happening because we're going to make sure you're completely well, distracted. Well, that, that definitely wouldn't happen with Stranger Things because the first episode, there's literally a, a trigger warning about... Spoilers, right? Yeah. That pissed me off. I was like, well, now I know what's going to happen. Yeah. There's an absolute... I'm a monster. There's a trigger warning about the first episode yeah. because we shot this over a year ago and on the tragic blah, 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 blah. So, I don't, why do companies feel they need to say stuff like that? I don't Does know. Does anybody sitting out there like, yeah, we're definitely pro massacre. Oh, I'm definitely not watching this now. Oh, I want, I, I'm for children being killed. Like, is, is anyone going to really think? Is anyone for a massacre? <laughs> wow. You say only younglings? Yeah. Yeah. There's Fucking too many stuff. of them, Master Skywalker. <laughs> Those kids deserve it. Okay. Oh. So the the cultural aspects and the commentary is definitely there. You're talking about the younglings in Revenge of the yes, Sith. Yes, I'm yes, just going to yes, make yes, sure yes, that's yes. clear to for, listeners. Thank you for collaborating, like, <laughs> elaborating on that. But yes, those kids deserved it. Moving on. Order 66 Jesus is for a reason. <laughs> those kids deserve <laughs> Monsters. <laughs> Star Wars people. Star Wars is what we're talking about. Yes. yes. All right. Moving on to so, the. Really fast. Yeah. How, how do you feel about. 
a showrunner that we love. Yeah. And I'm, I throw that in because I want people to understand. Loves we do love this guy, Eric but, Kripke. But how do you feel when a showrunner or a director gets, you know, I guess you can say it's to promote the show, but they start talking and explaining their show and getting into their own personal politics. Do you think that's a smart move or do you think? Uh, I'll answer this one. Okay. I feel it's a double-edged sword. I think if you are talking to the people that are your fans that have the same opinions and political views, then it's a win for you. But when you start talking to your fans and the people that don't share your political view, now it's a, it's the other end of the double-edged sword. I think it's very, very like my view on gun control is probably completely different than Eric Kripke. Now I, I'm not a total idiot. I'm not going to go, you know what? I'm not going to watch anything. Eric Kripke. No, because I still think the guy's a genius. And you also understand that, People have different opinions. different opinions. We all three of us have different opinions sitting in this room. And you know what? I still no, we don't. In. How dare you? Okay, brave maid. <laughs> don't tell me how I think. I, the, the point. The point brave. is, did you call me brave maid? I kind I, of are. I, you kind of are a brave maid. I so I you like penis. You like vagina. Yeah, yeah you I'm like the, both. Yeah, and you probably eat it woke walk. We should. The point. I the, do like Chinese food. See? There you go. <laughs> The, the point is, is that I feel like it's a double-edged sword, and I think you have to be very careful when you do that because nowadays yeah. people will disassociate from you by just because of your opinion. And I think not that I I have a brain in my head, so not that I would be like, oh, I'm not going to watch this because of it, but there are people out there that are like I don't that. Know. I, I, I would, because I agree with you, is you're, you're you only going to careful, you're piss dude. off some and gain yeah. favor with it, others. So really it's a net neutral, but... I almost feel like if you're promoting a show, you shouldn't talk about yeah. what it's about. I think you should just promote it. Whereas if someone was to have an in-depth, like if we were doing a interview behind the scenes analysis, more like a real let's get into this kind of discussion about what this film meant and you're the creator, that's the time, or like a DVD commentary, that's the time to really talk about that stuff. But there's also something to be said with like like um, David Lynch, has like never explained Mulholland Drive, and that kind of makes it better. Tarantino does doesn't the same bother thing. explaining shit to people. To me, but when it comes to the actual show, I'm a strong believer that let your art speak for itself. Yeah, uh, a an audience who's invested in your show, they're going to be able to read between the lines. That's what the use. That's what subtext is for. Allow your story to speak your yeah. politics. And I've, I've said this time and time again in all of our different podcasts that we do, art has always been used to push progressive thought forward. Right. Always has. Yeah. The thing that's new is we now have people that need to exp that feel like they need to explain their art. And that's a shame. They, they, don't, need, away they don't need to. Don't, don't explain it. Let us, let us take away what we want yep. from it. Let yeah. us interpret it the way we want to interpret and it. And in the end, that will actually help your show. Yeah. Excel because you're not going to alienate people because I will tell you right now, there are going to be people that listen to this interview and just turn off the show Yeah, because you are demonizing people who support the NRA and there's an entire population that supports the NRA or believes in the right to bear arms yeah, and not have their guns taken away. And you're literally telling them they are wrong. And I don't know if you would, if it, does your show any favors by saying that in an interview outright yeah. in your art, yeah. do it all just day long. It, just leave it for up to our interpretation. Yeah, do it all day long in your show. That's your show. But I just don't feel like there's any benefit to doing that. And it takes away the mystique. It's, it's weird for me because I am 
you know, a, a, a gun supporter, but I also think the NRA is a bunch of fucking idiots. Well, yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to argue that at all. So like, <laughs> I, like I am a law abiding gun owner. I am. It's a dinosaur I, organization a that should have been dismantled a long exactly. time ago. Exactly. And they like, dude, even at like, I'll just I'll give you guys a, a glimpse. Like th there's a, there's a big convention in January called shot show. Okay. And it's like, it's this a tactical gun industry show mm -hmm. and it's huge. It takes up almost all the in Las Vegas convention center. The NRA has a booth. And we walk by and laugh our fucking asses off at the NRA because they're fucking idiots. Yeah. And, and we're walking around a show literally with guns and we're, we look at the NRA as a bunch of FUDs. We call them FUDs like Elmer Fudd. Uh -huh. That's what they are. So I, so for me, when I watched this episode, I laughed because I was like, oh my God, that's the NRA to a, to a T like I laughed, but there are other people who like you said, Mike, that are diehard, you know, and they're going to be alienated because. Of this. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I think it's it's just. And again, there's also it, people who may not even understand the NRA completely, who no. are just advocates of guns, right? Who yeah. don't believe in gun control per se. Who are good, who's going to take this and just the run away? Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's where you have to be careful. I think. Well, I think they did. I, I did think they did a nice balance. They did fine. The they did fine. I mean, no, the, no, no, the show itself. Yeah, is, the show did fine. Is fine yeah. with with how they balance yeah. all the different political Dude, statements. I, I'm just I talking almost, specifically about no, the interview. I, yeah, I, I peed my pants laughing when he pulled the Beretta out of his back <laughs> and the guy's like, no man, nice piece. And just gives it back yeah. to him. I was like, I was like where the fuck are we? And then I was like, um, yeah. okay. I was like that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, that was great. I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like you have to be careful with stuff like that. And it doesn't yeah. matter what the issue is. It really doesn't. It could be anything. You can tell Kripke is a rational minded individual. By just watching his show. And I don't feel like an interview like that does him it doesn't help. any favors. Right. No. And and that's the thing. The last thing I want to do is is be upset with Papa Kripke. You know, like <laughs> that's the last thing I want. And I don't want to see people blasting him. Like no. I don't want to go on social media he doesn't and see, deserve to be blasted. see people blast my favorite showrunner. No. Like, come on, dude. Come on. No. The guy I would, you know, the showrunner I'd have his babies. If okay. So you would let him go up your pee hole? Right up in it. As long as he didn't sneeze. Oh, Kripke, shrink, please. Oh, get out smaller. Ooh. Touch both edges. Oh. Jesus.